Beards for Radio. Sasha, what's up, brother? Joe, what's happening? How's it going? It's going. Going. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, y'all, or Thanksgiving happy. Eve, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, today on the Beards for Radio podcast, uh, once again, we have Mike Olson on. How's it going, Mike? It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. So um, it must mean there's a big game this week. You guys know of any that are happening this weekend? <laughs> oh yeah, I think the Pistons are playing. Um, not <laughs> sure. I think. I, I, are you are you talking about the Lions and the Bears game tomorrow? Huge game for the Lions, by the way. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Um there's also there's also yeah there's also a game I think going down to Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if every anybody's hip to it. But it's supposed to be this big game. It's going down for the Big Ten. Ten and one Michigan versus ten and one Ohio State, dude. This is what Michigan fans dream of right now. Um, I myself am very nervous because I think what whether or not you know Michigan has a better defense and they're you know they have a, a I think a three point um they give them, they give them a three point you know advantage. It's still a rivalry game. You still throw that hatred and that passion that it, it fuels a fire that's, you know, unknown to mankind. I don't want to sit there, you know, and call it something else. But it, it it's – I'm nervous. I, I think Michigan's going to eke it out, but I'm definitely nervous until, you know, until, you know, it's 0-0 on the clock and Michigan's won. So, yeah, I mean – you're nervous because one, it's such a big game. If you didn't care, you wouldn't be nervous. And two, you're nervous because you have like post-traumatic stress syndrome because Michigan's like lost 13 of the last 15. That's this a good true. point. I remember when Trussell was first hired, even when he beat Michigan a couple of times, I didn't care because I grew up in the 90s. And Michigan won like eight out of ten at one point, or nine out of eleven. So, right, like once you get used to something, it takes a few times before you like realize a new pattern. See, to me, as um someone who doesn't care about the game usually, unless it affects my team, you know, it feels like for the first time since since you know 2011, everything is looking towards Michigan's favor. And I think, Sasha, maybe you're nervous. I mean, obviously, going into any rivalry game, I'm nervous, or any big game like this. The winner goes to the Big Ten Championship. Um, but maybe it's because, you know, I can't remember a time when things looked this good in Michigan's favor heading into the Ohio State. I agree. Even in 2016, like, I kind of had a good feeling, but not like this. And I also think – other Michigan fans maybe had a good feeling that year, and the fact that they came up short has them feeling even more nervous about this year. Exactly. Like you said, PTSD. Yeah, I actually think there's a good chance Michigan wins by like 8 to 10 points, and I think other people feel it too. They're just afraid to say it because mm-hmm. it, 
Because, I mean, immediately someone can shoot back, like, well, when was the last time that happened? Right. You know, I think Ohio State has struggled a lot on defense, except when they're playing against an offense like Michigan State. <laughs> they have. Um, you know they have the second-worst uh, pass defense in the Big Ten. Yeah, see, like only, you wouldn't expect that from Ohio State. Yeah, only Illinois has worse. Anything to brag about either. Yeah. That, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. You, you go, Joe. I was just going to say, last week's game against Maryland is a prime example Maryland put up seven point or twenty one points against Michigan, uh, three points against Michigan State, and then fifty one against Ohio State. There were a two point conversion in overtime from winning the game. Yeah, that, 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 that's what kind of has me feeling really good in a way. Is Ohio State's really not that great against the run or the pass, <laughs> and uh, it it's kind of like. Michigan can kind of pick their poison on how to kill Ohio State's defense. Hmm. I mean, that, that's a good way to look at it. I, I, I think it's definitely going to rest, going to all rest on Karan Higdon and Shea Patterson's legs. I think that's that's one thing that's going to change from last year is that we have we don't have Wilton Spate, that six six drop back quarterback that can't do nothing when the pocket collapses or his guys are covered, you know. So I think we're going to kind of give Ohio State a little taste of their own medicine, seeing that we've had we've had to face you know Barrett, you know, all, uh, the the past four or five years with the way he's been running, and you know. Haskins not as mobile as that. So my biggest concern is the wide openness we have in the middle of the field sometimes. They give up those big, big plays. You saw it happen against uh, Rutgers with Pacheco. You know, they can't afford to give up those 75-yard, 60-yard chunks, big touchdowns because it changes the whole dynamic of the game. That's my only issue with the whole defense. And plus, if Chase Winovich is going to be, you know, somewhat you know you know kind of held back right you know I don't know if he's be held back of his shoulder or not so you know those are my concerns I just I I I hope I hope our I hope our cornerbacks really kick it into high gear man because I I need to see Ohio State lose I you know I I just can't (laughs) stand them I can't stand them dude you know I've, I've been able to watch more Ohio State than Michigan this year as it were um and what I've seen is that Ohio State, their passing game has really covered up a lot of ugliness for them. Yes. In a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, I do think very highly of Dwayne Haskins. I think he's a very good passer, a lot better than um, any quarterback in, in my recent memory in Columbus. But on the other end, he hasn't really faced a defense like Michigan's. And for Michigan's defense, I don't think they've really faced a passer – like Dwayne Haskins. Is that fair on both ends? No, it's good assessment. Um, pretty good. The thing is, and I've talked to you about this before, Joe, and it's still true. Haskins is still not that great throwing downfield. Like if you right. look at his ratings, this might surprise some people, but Shea Patterson actually has way better ratings when it comes to that. Um, so he he benefits so much. And um, this is actually uh, 
giving credit to Ohio State's wide receivers, so many of his yards are that he throws are yards after catch. Mm-hmm. And um, but that at the same time, that also means, and that I think Ohio State probably has the best wide receivers they've had since Urban Meyer's been there. Weird because they lost a pretty good wide receivers coach in the offseason, didn't they? (laughs) 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 Their wide receivers, um, Paris Campbell, KJ Hill, Benjamin Victor, like those three, uh, even Terry McLaurin, like he doesn't just contribute on offense. He's a great special teams player as well. And then um, their running backs, J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, uh, I don't have their numbers in front of me, but – they're putting they're putting up pretty good numbers, but comparatively, like they're having a down season compared to what they were able to do last year or the year before that. If you're talking about Weber, so I think Ohio State has all the weapons on offense, you know. And I think Dwayne Haskins is a very good quarterback to kind of complete their system. Yeah. Do you, I kind of feel like the game will come down to this. Um, Michigan loves to rush. Um, and a lot of times, and you saw this with Indiana and Rutgers, a lot of times the way you kind of attack that is through screens and quick cross routes or slants. Now, I, I think it comes down to can Ohio State run those well against Michigan? And if Michigan can stop those, I think it will really have its way with Ohio State's def- uh, offense. But if Ohio State can really – um, run those effectively, they'll have a good day. I also think one thing that Ohio, uh, another thing Ohio State actually does really well is they don't give up a lot of sacks. They only like, give up 1.4 a game, which is one of the best. So I, I'm really curious on uh, how Don Brown's going to attack. You know, he's kind of known as Dr. Blitz. I wonder if, if he is going to attack, you know, just go all in or if we're going to see something else. Yeah, I think I think they need to they need to just open up the playbook wide open for Ohio State and try whatever whatever they can because plus like you said he's Doctor Blitz and sometimes his blitz are over pursued and it opens up the middle and then next thing you know you have some kind of quarterback you know draw up the middle like we saw with you know Ramsey last last uh, last week he would just you know the 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 middle would just open up. And if you have Dwayne Haskins there, you know, you can give a little shovel pass or you can just hand off quickly to Weber. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I see you're concerned about over blitzing and, you know, over pursuing too. So it, I mean, uh, it's, it, this, this, this game has got me more nervous than I've, I think I've, I've been in years, literally years. I'm just, I've been counting down it. It's it's only Wednesday, dude. It's like I'm I'm I've been talking about it. It's only friggin' Wednesday, dude. And I just well, I just I'm just so damn nervous, dude. <laughs> I think Michigan and Michigan State have pretty comparable defenses. I think Michigan's secondary is probably better than Michigan State's. Um, but Ohio State really struggled to move the ball against Michigan State's defense, and Mike, uh, you mentioned that they didn't really give up a lot of sacks. Um. During the Michigan State game, I saw Kenny Willekes and Raekwon Williams and Naquan Jones and Joe Bocci, those four, like, just living in, in Ohio State's secondary for most of the game. Like, really, Ohio State's punter and Michigan State's offensive coordinator won 
that game for Ohio State against Michigan State. Um, so I don't know if that plays to Ohio State's favor at all because they did kind of face a similar defense, I think. Um, and they, they, But they struggled against that defense mightily. I think Michigan State handed them uh, 17 or 12 at least points uh, from their offense. Yeah, that, that, that's the kind of thing that, like, my brain's telling me, like, this could be a two-possession win for Michigan. But at the same time, there's just, like, that part of me that won't allow me to believe it because it'll just set me up to be even more disappointed if it doesn't go that way. Right, I understand. Like, Mike. Yeah. Mike, you took the words right out of – you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth, dude. It's just, like – you, you, you're you're walking that fine line, dude. You know you want to you want to ju- jump all in and be called. They're gonna smoke on this and that, but like, like my heart tells me that it's gonna be a very close game. It's gonna be tighter than what we're comfortable. I, I think we're gonna be puckered for you know a good fourth quarter. But you know, uh, you know, I I hope I'm wrong because if I am, then you know Michigan's gonna blow them out of the water, which I'd like to see. You know. But I think I think it's gonna be a close game, and I think it's gonna be three three point game, maybe even touchdown. What's but, that uh, that uh, famous phrase from Remember the Titans? Leave no doubt. I would love that. That would be like a damn yes. like, to win by double digits. You make sure they remember. Oh man, never <laughs> right. <laughs> I, what what, what, really, See, what, what been, really has me feeling confident is. I think Ohio State has good running backs, but I really like Mich- – I love Michigan's run game. And I think they're the better running team, both from a quarterback standpoint and Higdon. And it just yeah. – and, and and here's the thing. Michigan does have a really, really, really good defense. But their defensive tackles aren't bad. But they're just – they're just, you know, they're just average. Uh, Monet, Dwumfer, and um, Solomon, they're not like – they're not all Big Ten, and if and if Ohio State had a running back that you know that was all Big Ten and could really expose that, I'd feel worse. You know, if you put like Jonathan Taylor on that Ohio State team, I wouldn't feel as confident. But you know, I feel like that's an advantage to Michigan. I feel like they're going to have more rushing yards. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Haskins isn't really a mobile guy. He kind of breaks the mold of what Ohio State has had. Um, you know, if you think about JT Barrett or like Terrell Pryor, like I like I've watched a lot of their games. I don't think I've really seen him be the tuck it and run or like, you know, they spread out five wide on third and short and have him just sneak it up the middle like they used to do with Barrett all the time. You kind of don't even want a running back that can't run in college anymore. Like almost like it doesn't matter how good his arm strength is. Like, in the way college football is going, and even the NFL to a lesser extent, you need a mobile quarterback. Yeah. And it's not like – it's not like he can't run at all, you know. Obviously, he's got legs. Um, it's just that he's not fast, you know. I've seen him avoid some sacks a couple times or, um, you know, scramble a bit. But it looks like he's really reluctant to scramble a lot of the time. Yep. Yeah, and to like second your 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 thoughts about Michigan's run game, you know, not just Kron Higdon, you know, True Wilson and um, Evans have been running pretty good, you know, complimentary the past two games, you know, I mean, last game they combined for eighty six 
total yards, they had some good, you know, third down runs, second down runs to keep the, you know, to keep the drives alive. So, yeah, I agree. You know, Higdon might be the, the stud, but, you know, he has a good supporting cast in True Wilson and um, uh, Evans, too. So. Yeah, and you're going to see uh... – you're going to see uh, more keeps from Patterson, I feel like, too. And then, you know, Evans also, he's, he's a good pass catcher, and it gives them another dimension. I- yeah, and I, th- and I think uh, – yeah, and I think Patterson is so good on the run. I think Patterson's better on the run and he's in the pocket. I would like to see more of a, uh, a pocket presence from him. I think he really needs to work on that. If he doesn't go to the NFL, I don't think he's really NFL ready now. I want to see more of a pocket presence from him because on the run, like throwing across his body, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers-esque. You know what I'm saying? He can throw across his body and, and control it pretty good. I love him on the run. I think he's very dangerous on the run. But I want to see more of a pocket presence from him too. Yeah, that's one thing I really liked. Actually, that's one thing I really liked in the Rutgers game and I didn't like in the Indiana game is I thought in the Rutgers game, he actually had a really good day throwing. Um, actually, and then the Indiana game, it was almost the complete opposite. He uh, missed Gentry in the end zone at one point, and his passes just weren't as good. But what I really liked is they took right. advantage against Rutgers, almost like they were, <laughs> almost like they were playing an out of conference cupcake. Because you really saw them open up the passing playbook a little bit, and um, you saw it was almost like a practice day for him, almost like a scrimmage. And I really like seeing them throw more, which they hadn't done against Penn State, Michigan State, or Wisconsin games. <clears throat> but he actually had a bad day against Indiana. Um, but keep in mind, <laughs> apparently Ohio State's secondary is worse than Indiana's and Rutgers. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that from an athlete standpoint, but apparently the numbers – show that so it'll be very interesting Uh, yeah they're the worst in the big 10 besides illinois that's crazy yeah like i said especially with their defensive line you can get a little bit of a pass rush so that shocks me but you know yeah um look i think when michigan has the ball i think they have the advantage i think when ohio state has the ball michigan has the advantage again um, but I think Ohio State has the advantage in special teams, if I'm being honest. Um, but that's that's one of the only areas I can think of when I look at the game from an outside perspective. Do you think they have a better punter than Will Hart? Uh, that punter just single-handedly beat Michigan State, so <laughs> I kind of so- do. <laughs> Dude, he, he downed like – Five straight punts inside the Michigan State five yard line. That's true. Will Hart actually earlier this season kind of had a run similar to that. Yeah, that's true. He he didn't <laughs> have a good day. Well, Michigan only punted once against Indiana, which is still mind boggling that they only won by eleven when they only punted once. But uh, he did have a bad punt uh, last week. But that's really the only bad game Will Hart's had. Right, but also kicking game too. Um, I think what's his name Moody obviously came in and kicked really well against Indiana, um, but we don't know if he's going to be the kicker or if it's going to be uh, Nordine. And I feel like Ohio State's kicker has been pretty consistent throughout the year. Yeah, Nordine did go through a slump um, recently. 
he apparently missed the game because of the flu. But uh, I, I, I would have liked to have seen um, what did you say the Michigan's new kicker's name is? I think it's Moody. Moody. Yeah, he. I, I would have liked to have seen like him kick from weird angles. It seemed like right. most of uh, Michigan's uh, kicks on Saturday were uh, chip shots. But he he is a, he's a freshman, but he did come in like supposedly pretty good. But I mean, I don't know who Ohio State's kicker is, but you gotta think whoever they have is better than a freshman. You think supposedly? I mean, sometimes you see clutch kickers just I don't know, <laughs> you know, come out of nowhere and have a terrible game, especially if they're playing the Lions, you know. Well, so, two years in a row now. <laughs> that is true about the Lions. This is two years in a row now that Nordine started off the season hot and then, like, went into a slump at some point. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, Sasha, you, you guys would probably know more about it than me. Um, but, yeah, I think Moody came in and didn't he hit, like, six field goals out of six or something like that? Yeah. Yep, six for six. He had six for six, and that's a Michigan record, hitting six field goals. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't hit those six field goals, Michigan doesn't win, you know. And and with like go, going back to the Ohio State Michigan State game, it was like what you're saying about that punter. Yeah, that punter he yielded nine points, man. You know, at the, at the end at the end of the third, you guys don't have that that safety or the fumble touchdown. You guys are in it, you know, what is it? What was it? It would have been like a, not even a 10-point game. It would have been like a six-point game. So, I mean, those punts were huge. Six when they decided to take that safety. That's what I didn't understand. It was right, such so, a low-scoring game. You know, at that point, it's almost like a baseball game. You know, when you give up two <laughs> runs in a baseball game, because what, what was the score when they took that safety? It was seven to six. Yeah. It was – yeah, seven to six, and, and then they then they scored the next nine, and then, right? And then they they took that safety to try to flip the field position, and then they kicked it out of bounds. Ohio State starts with the ball at the fifty, anyways. So it was all for nothing. That's the that's the biggest joke to me is the fact that they take the safety thinking they can finally get their asses out of their own end zone, and then they just do exactly what's been happening all day long. So that. Uh, we, we can wrap up on Michigan, Ohio State before we move on to um, Joe getting about MSU. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'll just say that I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm gonna be puckered, and I think Michigan is gonna win it 21 Hmm. I, I'll go twenty six seventeen. Michigan's gonna win, and um, if they lose, I, I won't be on the next podcast. no you will you will um because you know what we've been doing this for decades right now (laughs) you know the house it was last time we went on house state 2003 you know what i'm saying it's like yeah we 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 have to come back and defend ourselves i was someone that would get frustrated with lloyd carr i never thought i'd be nostalgic for lloyd carr (laughs) <laughs> he went into Trestle's house in right. 2003, beat them there, and took the Big Ten Championship with them. Right. So, I'm nostalgic yeah. about the coach that is still roaming my sidelines. I'm just nostalgic <laughs> about when he knew what was going on. Um, the score, I think it's going to be, I'm going to say 
33 to 28. I know it's kind of a weird score, and I think it's going to be Michigan. I think it's going to be Michigan winning. What did you say you thought the score was okay. going to be? It cut out on my side. Oh, uh, I thought it was going to be 33-28. I just kind of pulled the score out there. <laughs> and, you know, it's a big it's an opportunity for Michigan to get uh, a big monkey off their back and get to Indy. Um, so I'm very interested to see how they play. Is it kind of like an added pressure on them, you know? Like, like they're kind of carrying the last 14 years of Michigan not being able to win the championship. Uh, they're kind of carrying that into this game, like monkey on their back, chirping, that has that's been 14 years into their ears. I rhymed unintentionally. Um, <laughs> so I'm, that's that's what I'm most interested to see is like how they come out of the gate and if they get punched in the mouth early, like how they respond to that. Because I think there's a lot more pressure on Michigan to win than Ohio State. Actually, you know what? I would have agreed with you, but after this season for Ohio State and looking at Urban Meyer on the sideline and just hearing how what their fans are like and that he's like facing a lot of criticism, even though he's like 10 and one, like I, I almost think in some ways the pressure might be closer than we think. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. That's a good like point. he's six and all against Michigan. He has like an insane, like winning percentage that even puts the other top coaches in the conference to shame. <laughs> and like, Fans aren't even mad about, like, you know, off-the-field controversies. They actually think Ohio State's been, like, bad all year. Yeah. You know, I guess that's fair. Like, it's not a huge difference in pressure, I guess. But I still think there's more of it on Michigan. Like, I think Ohio State, having been to the championship game a few times and won it last year. Um, Tell their fans you know, if that. <laughs> right. I guess, I guess we're – dealing with two kind of fan bases like that. <laughs> but I agree with you. I feel like uh, Harbaugh will be celebrated if they win this. I also kind of think it's interesting comparing this Michigan coaching staff to ones in the past. I feel like you look at Rich Rod or Brady Hoke, and they were almost carrying that, like, those failures of, uh, of uh, Ohio State losses with them, even dating back to, like, Lloyd's last three or four losses, whereas like Harbaugh and like Don Brown and other members of the coaching staff, they almost seem like they come back the next year like more mad if they lose. Like Don yeah. Brown was pissed that Penn State ran up the score, and like <laughs> you know the next year they do it <laughs> to them. Like I don't know. Like there's a small part of me that feels like even if Michigan loses, like. Oh, Michigan's like staff will be okay, and like next year, like there's a great chance they'll get them, even though I won't be happy about it. Versus like Rich Rod or Brady Hope that look like they almost look scared on the sidelines, and I don't know. That's a good point. Do you see any of that, Sasha? Mm, yeah, but I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it this year. You know, like you said, Penn State ran up to score on them, and then we came in, ran up to score on them, punched them right in the freaking mouth. So, um, yeah, man, I, I I hope they come with that same fire, you know. So, uh, I'm just looking forward to Saturday. I'm also glad I have four days off. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, you know. So, like, hey, we, we, we put it out there. We all think Michigan's going to win. 
by small margins, by a good amount of margins, but I want my man Joe to get something off of his chest. <laughs> and Joe, what was that? Go at it, man. I want you to get what you want to get off of your chest because. Okay, well, you know, Joe, I'm... I'll be quick because I really want to get to our next topic. Um, but yeah, what I saw Saturday, Lincoln, Nebraska was just the worst game I've ever seen. Like, that was just the ugliest piece of shit. I can't, like, I wasn't even mad at that game. Like, I knew Michigan State was going to lose as soon as, um, you know, one thing happened after another. Like, I was I was doing what I do when I know the game's turning. Like, I wasn't screaming and cussing and yelling. Like, I was just eating some taquitos on the couch. I was like, okay. That's how it is now. I, I don't think I've ever. Right, you came to terms. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. It was like losing a loved one almost. Um, right. I'm watching the program just die in front of my eyes and flatline. You know, what was once so alive and beautiful is just aging at a crazy fast rate. And just watching this heart monitor just go like bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever. A team go on the road, hold an opponent to nine points, and lose the game. Like Michigan State was up three nothing in the second quarter, got a sack, recovered the fumble at like the twenty yard line, and didn't score. And again, I think I talked about this really early on in the year. I don't trust the coaches to make the right decisions when it matters. Like. Early in the year, I was complaining that they literally never passed the ball, that they were so hell-bent on running the ball. Well, it's like they overcorrected that because the last drive against Nebraska was all passing, and the running game was actually actually moderately working for them. But nah, that's cool. We got our backup quarterback in there throwing in the 20-mile-per-hour winds and 11-degree weather, and it's snowing, and our receivers aren't catching the passes. Let's just throw it every time anyways. Like, I just don't trust him anymore and that breaks my heart it breaks my heart dude all right question question for you joe dan antonio has another season like this next year do you think he is gonna be michigan state's head coach after next year pending if they have a bad season like they did this year you know i i don't know i don't even want to think about that um But, you know, I've never called for his head or his job before. I just want him to have an attitude adjustment, dude. Like, I guarantee you they're not going to make any coaching changes in the offseason. You're going to see the same exact coaching staff come back. And I think they're totally botching the quarterback situation, like throwing Brian Lewerke into games when he's very clearly not healthy and risking a further injury, you know, um, I think, look, people who want to defend them will bring up the 2014 season when they put up like 43 points a game school record. But it's almost like Warner and the rest of the offensive staff think they still have Connor Cook and Jeremy Langford and Tony Lippett. And look, it's not that Brian Lewerke and LJ Scott and, you know, Cody White are any less talented. It's just that they have very different strengths from those sets, that group of players but the coaching staff is still coaching them 
like they're that group of players I just mentioned. You follow? Follow. What would like you like to see them like run more spread option when Lewerke is like healthy and yes, more like spread it out more, kind of like what Ohio State did with JT Barrett. You know, do a five wide where it looks like you're gonna pass, spread out the defense, do a drop the middle, or more read action, more option. You know, um, more wide receiver runs, but not to the short end of the field. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> It shouldn't be this hard, you know? Right. Um, And, look, I got some defensive stats in front of me. I think Michigan State's defense this year has just been incredible. Um, Nine out of 11 games. So, aside from the Central Michigan game and their game against Northwestern, look, they played Utah State, averages 46.9 points per game. Against Michigan State, they scored 31 seven of which came on a pick six from Brian Lewerke in the third quarter. They played Arizona State, who averages 29.8 points per game, scored 16 versus Michigan State. Indiana averages 26.9 points, uh, scored 21 against Michigan State. Again, Lewerke threw an interception at at their own 10-yard line, so that's seven points right there. Uh, Penn State averages 34 points per game, had 17 versus Michigan State. Michigan averages 36.3 points per game, 21 against Michigan State. Purdue, 32.3 points per game, 13 against Michigan State. Maryland, who we just saw put up 51 against Ohio State, uh, averages 30.8, scored three against Michigan State. Um, Ohio State averages 41, scored 26 against Michigan State. Um, At least 16 of those I blame directly on the offense. And then uh, Nebraska this past week averages 28.7 points per game. Uh, scored nine against Michigan State, three of which came on a sack fumble inside Michigan State's 25-yard line in the fourth quarter. So, <laughs> you know, you see my frustration because I feel like this defense Michigan State has is very comparable to the 2012 and 13 defenses uh, led by Max Bola and company. Like, but the like, I feel like if they even had an Eastern Michigan-level offense, they would have at least two more wins. Yeah, actually, uh, Eastern Michigan has some really good offensive coaches. Right. Like, um, I, 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 um, I know I don't know much about their coordinators, but I know when Eastern Michigan brought in Chris Creighton, he was known as an offensive mind. Like that actually might be a good replacement for Warner. Would be like yeah. Eastern's uh, offensive uh, coordinator. Yeah, uh, a twelve-year-old with a good record in Madden '08 could have a. <laughs> <laughs> Like a 12-year-old Joe Dahl. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Utah, Utah State's offensive coordinator would probably be a good uh, hire for uh, Michigan State. Dude, Utah State, like while we're on the subject, they haven't – And like I said, they're averaging almost 47 points per game. I know they play in the Mountain West, but still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On one hand, I'm excited for what Michigan State's bringing back next year in terms of the players. On the other hand, I'm not excited. <laughs> I'm dreading what they have coming back next year in terms of coaching. Because I think every defensive coach they have has done an amazing job. I think Chuck Bolo was a great hire in the offseason. Um, Ron Burton, the D-line coach, is probably D'Antonio's best hire. I was iffy on what Mike Tressel would do. Um 
as the first time solo D coordinator. And I think their defense is better now than it has been in six seasons. Uh, but on the offensive side, I think the only guy I can say has done a good job is Taryn Samuel, the wide receivers coach. I, uh, my dad, he has like a lot of friends in the Nebraska area. He spent a lot of time there and he likes to ask me about the games because he knows I watched a ton of college football. And I told him, I'm like, I kind of have a good feeling Nebraska is going to beat Michigan state. And it was kind of hard not to after watching what uh, Michigan state did against Ohio state and just that Nebraska is improving. And then I saw what the weather was going to be. And I was like, this favors Michigan state. And I was (laughs) shocked that they didn't, you know, the defense, like you said, played very well, but I actually thought they were going to win that game. Once I saw the weather, because, I mean, Martinez was going to have a hard time passing in that weather. I think he did have a hard time passing. I think they only gave up, like, one or two plays that really flipped the field position, you know? Um, yeah. Did Michigan State run the ball that well? I'm guessing not. Yeah, they actually ran the ball pretty well. Um, and they had a lot of chunk plays. They just didn't finish drives, had a lot of dropped passes. And then, um, like I said, for whatever reason – the last half of the fourth quarter did not use the running game at all. Like even Rocky Lombardi did a great job running the ball and he's not the most mobile guy ever. Like it's, uh, I just have a big side. Man. <laughs> you know, it's Offense like, needs some fixing. Yeah, it really does. What would you uh, like to see them do, Joe? You know, in an ideal world, like you said, hire an offensive coordinator from a smaller school that is performing above what they should be performing like, you know, um, like an outside-the-box guy that isn't so by the book. And believe it or not, I want someone who would, like, clash with D'Antonio because D'Antonio, after the game, is taking a lot of blame. He's like, oh, I made that decision here and here. You know, it wasn't Warner. And Warner is like – yeah, I'm basically just doing whatever D'Antonio tells me to. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Offensive coordinator, he's just a pussy who can't stand up for himself. Probably he's a terrible offensive coordinator who can't stand up for himself. But still, like, when Ohio State hired Joe Moorhead, you know, who isn't afraid to just do whatever D'Antonio wants, who will, like, stand up to him, you know? You kind of see it with the two programs at Michigan, Beeline and Harbaugh, both higher yeah. defensive assistants that pretty much have 100% control on that side of the ball. Yeah. And, look, I don't, I don't know enough teams well enough to, like, have a specific name on my mind, right? But, you know, I just want someone who's going to, like, adjust to the players that they have, not ask that the players adjust to their system. He likes so the opposite of what Rich Ryan. Yeah. There's a guy on their staff, Don Treadwell, who used to be the offensive coordinator, who used to do that very well. Um, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a promotion to offensive coordinator full-time, but it's not going to happen. Um, but, like, you saw it exactly. When Don Treadwell was the offensive coordinator at Michigan State, his last year was 2010, you saw a lot of people – like Edwin Baker and Deion Sims and um, like even Keith Martin to a certain extent, 
The next season, even Kirk Cousins. Um, the next season, 2011, when Don Treadwell left to be a head coach and Dan Rauscher got promoted to offensive coordinator, a lot of players took a huge step back. Who arrived with Don Treadwell before? You said you'd like to see an um, offensive coordinator that adapts to his players rather than ha- ask his players to just run a system. But yeah. a type of offense you'd like to see a coordinator run, what would you like to see? I'd like to see a bit more of a spread. Um, I know that might give fans in East Lansing because of John L. But I would see – I know they love to pound the ball and run the ball. I'm okay with that most of the time. Like, you can still have that. I just want to see some more spread and read option implemented into the offense. And more shots on field, too. I don't think fans will care as long as they win. I mean, Michigan's running (laughs) a lot more spread and option, Um, you know. uh, Obviously, Rich Rod kind of – and John L. Smith's name gets fans. Yeah, it's probably it's probably the same effect. But um, I won't go too in depth on their game. Obviously, they're playing Rutgers. Uh, I don't think Rutgers will score. I think it'll probably be <laughs> uh, twenty-seven nothing. Uh, Michigan State will just kick nine field goals and <laughs> you know, it out. The one up uh, Michigan uh, kicking six against Indiana. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I said Rutgers went score against Michigan. Be careful what you wish for. That one guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah, he's he's a beast, man. Anyways, um, <laughs> I want to be done being sad now and move on to a topic that I'm kind of excited to talk to you guys about because I feel like in this state. In terms of college sports, it might apply more than any other state I can think of. And that is, is your school, so Michigan for you guys, Michigan State for me, is your school a football school or a basketball school? And you can't pick both. That's cheating. I won't allow it. <laughs> Do you want to start side? Um, I'll let you lead off. You said, Obviously, you, you said you'll let me lead off? Yeah, go, go ahead. That was really hard for me, hard for me to – no, I have season tickets to Michigan basketball. I'm a huge fan of uh, John Beeline and what they've done, and 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 they've had a ton of success. But obviously, it's a football school, and it's just because the tradition goes deep. And if you look through their history, they've only had a few. Periods where they were really down, and it's just that one of them was recently. They didn't. Um, because, but I, I wanted to do a little bit of research just to see, like, how their is compared to other ones. And I found this article on a uh, Business Insider from March of this year, and it was written by Brandon Wiggins. And of all the seventeenth. And how much money they bring in in uh, basketball, and it's at sixteen point nine million. Who's number sixteen ahead of them, just by one? That's Michigan. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
and they bring in 17.6. And this is uh, just for 2017. That's where the numbers are. Do a three-year period, too, and both schools have been averaging about the same during that period. But Michigan, that that 16.9 million is about 10% of what the department makes. Whereas it's about 17%. So I, I didn't have time to go through all the numbers, but that right there tells you like Michigan brings in a ton of money for football. And uh, yeah. since they fill out that huge stadium, but to me, on the field or on the court, it's also like is what your fan base is. And, uh, you know, for Michigan fans, football trumps it. Um, I now. Yeah, Sasha, if you want to uh, go ahead, what do you think? Is Michigan a football school or a basketball school? Well, first, I got to bring you into the world of Sasha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but before I do, b- before, before I do that, I, I, I got I to gotta say that I really love – Michigan's basketball team this year, man. I think I think they're other than Duke. I think they're probably one of the best best teams in the nation. I really love the way they're stacked. But let me go on to that. So let me bring you into my world, right? I was born in 1983. It was the same year that the Red Wings drafted Steve Eiserman. We know, uh, you know, the history of of the Red Wings 20 years it goes down the line. The next year I was one years old. The, the, the Tigers won it, you know, 89, 90 back to back Pistons champions, the nineties. I got to see Barry Sanders. So, you know, it was a very magical, magical time in Detroit sports in, you know, the, the eighties and nineties. It was, it was really awesome. But to me, the most magic. Yeah, definitely. But for me, the, the most magical time, in my life for sports was the years from 91 to 94. And the reason be it is because Michigan had the Fab Five at that time, which drew me into Michigan basketball being seven years old. You know what I'm saying? Drew me into it. It was that time where, you know, from seven to 11, you're very susceptible to sports and what you want to do in life and what really grabs you, right? I gravitated towards the Fab Five. Tyrone Wheatley was coming into Michigan. He was highly touted. He's from Dearborn Heights. I'm from Dearborn Heights. That drew me even more to being a Michigan fan. You know, so here I am. I'm I'm watching Michigan basketball, watching Michigan football, and you're asking me now to pick. Well, I um, when it comes to basketball, I love it, but because of the whole Ed Martin thing and Michigan got hit with sanctions and, you know, their basketball program tapered off and it, and it still resonated till 2013 when Weber was, uh, you know, uh, on his uh, disassociation ban from Michigan. You can finally come back, whatever. You know what I'm saying? That took a big hit to me in, ba- in basketball personally. And then on the other end, football, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, when Wheatley came in, it was the Gary Moeller era, you know, followed by the Lloyd Carr era, you know, Michigan to me had more longevity in my time watching it from, you know, the time I was seven to the time, you know, on they've, they've been more consistent of a program. And as much as I love Michigan basketball, yeah, Michigan is a football school. Do I, 
and, and what kills me is, is if they didn't drop those sanctions, if Mateen cleaves and again that car accident, the whole Ed Martin thing wasn't revealed, and Ed Martin wasn't just an asshole. Would it? Would it? Would that gap be closer to having a, you know, a really fine line? But I think the whole Ed Martin, the sanctions, everything really killed athletics basketball wise in Michigan, and just definitely football trumped it. That's just my opinion on the whole thing. So, yeah, my school is a football school, most definitely. Yeah. That, uh, Michigan went to a Final Four in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, they 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 had a – from Orr to Cassie Russell to um, uh, blanking on the other Russell's name, they, they had, like, a good history and foundation for basketball for years. They won the title with Glenn Rice in 89. And then, right. like – they were dead for 10 years between um, Fisher and Beeline, you know, with uh, um, Ellerby and um, Amaker. It was just a dead period. There was actually like renovating Chrysler in the late nineties. And that, you know, that went away uh, when, um, you know, the Ed Martin scandal broke and it took them another 10 years to finally do it. Right. And I think that it took such a, took such a big hit in the program that, you know, Michigan fans kind of gravitated towards football because even if even if the Michigan basketball team did good, they were getting into the tourneys because of these sanctions. You know, they couldn't they couldn't go on, and then and then you get to lose you get to lose recruits because they're gonna say, hey, you know, I'm not gonna play my ass off and not be able to go to the tourney. You know, what I'm saying this is the whole reason why you know basketball players play basketball is to get to the big dance. You know. So I think that was a really big factor in why a lot of more Michigan fans gravitated towards football in the late 80s, early 90s. And listen, um, Moeller and Carr, they've admitted they used the Fab Five to recruit fo- football players. Marcus Ray has said that one of the big reasons he came to Michigan was Desmond Howard and the Fab Five. And the Fab Five is not even the same sport. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh Sasha, I'm and I, I'm sorry, Joe, we'll let you I, I don't mean to keep interrupting. I know you wanna answer too, but uh I'm only two I'm about two years younger than you. I was born in eighty five. I didn't realize how good I had it. Like between the late eighties, starting with Michigan winning a national title in basketball, to the late nineties going all the way up to there, win a title in football with two titles in hockey in between there and the Fab Five, like, didn't really realize how good, like, Michigan's athletic department was at the time. Right. Like, and, and, like, you can, and like you can even expand it to our pro sports. Like, I think uh, our pro sports were the greatest in the 90s, man. Our sports were so great in the 90s, man, from the, from the Pistons, Bad Boys, to the Red Wings, to, to Barry. Yes. Even even up to like 2007, I thought the Red Wings and Pistons were annually the number one seed in the East, like at the same time of the year. I don't know how good I had it either. Yeah. Um, right. You know, the Tigers getting to the World Series in 06 haven't really done much since. Like, that's probably the only time I ever cared about the Tigers was in 06. The Tigers did have almost a 10-year run. They did. They did. They went to a – Another or two more? Well, at least one more World Series, and they went to the playoffs a lot. Well, look, I mean, the Red Wings' playoff streak was exactly three years older than me. 
<laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that that is pretty crazy, man. That's that's wild if you think about it. Huh. I actually was thinking, and I mean, this is kind of hurt because D'Antonio, you know, lately is kind of, you know, this has been up and down the year for him. Yeah. But I was actually thinking, uh, as I kind of feel like most of Detroit's pro sports are average to pretty bad in the four. Yes. But I kind of felt like both Michigan and Michigan State, like all four of their money programs, you know, basketball and football on each side, I feel like they have really good coaches and really good programs. And like you could kind of see any of them winning a national title. Right. I mean, look, I still love D'Antonio. Don't get me wrong. It's just that his decision-making when it counts has me questioning things. And look, let me get to Michigan State. Um, look, obviously, Mark D'Antonio has won three Big Ten championships, uh, played in the first Big Ten championship game. Uh, little stat to throw in. This is the first year since the Big Ten championship game was born that Michigan State and Wisconsin will not be a part of it. Uh, but, you know, obviously the Rose Bowl was one of the greatest years of my life, watching that defense and Connor Cook rise up and become a star during his time there. But look, it's so easy to me that Michigan State is a basketball school. Look, Tom Izzo has been the coach at Michigan State longer than I've been alive. And look, um, talking about like expectations, you asked me earlier like if uh, Michigan State went through a similar year in football next year, I still think D'Antonio – would be just fine. Like, I don't think anybody would be calling for his head. Look, Michigan State won 30 games in basketball last year and a Big Ten title, and nobody was happy. Nobody was happy with the season they had. They sell out every game at the Breslin Center. Every game I watch, even when they're playing a nobody, it's full, like almost to the brim. Michigan State can't sell out a football game when Ohio State's in town. Like, I feel like it's only when Michigan or Oregon or something like that's in town. Um, they got the Izone at Michigan State. I can't remember the last time I saw the student section fill up their section at a football game at Michigan State. Um, look, people who don't even know about basketball know about the Izone. Uh, Michigan State basketball is a brand name unlike Michigan State football is. They get invited to play in the uh, Champions Classic with big-time programs like Duke and Kansas and Kentucky. This year, they got invited to the first annual Las Vegas Invitational playing against Texas and Duke and or not Duke, uh, Texas and North Carolina and um, you'll say UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. Look, Michigan State. It's so easy. They're a basketball school, and it's. It used to be because, like, the basketball program was so good and the football program was just got it. Well, like, there was there was a stretch where both – like, where it was very hard for me to choose between the two because uh, I grew up, you know, having my pride be in Michigan State basketball and the Red Wings. And, look, the Red Wings haven't even survived. Michigan State basketball, to me, has the longevity. Like, they've survived a lot of programs, like, being – dust and then rising up and then falling back to dust during their time like i just i have very few doubts about michigan state's basketball program like even if Izzo retires within the next five years i still feel 
that five years from now I'll still be confident in Michigan State basketball and 10 years down the road, you know? Uh, when D'Antonio goes, I don't know. I'm not sure about Michigan State football. I don't know what will happen to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of one of those, like, legacy programs. Where if, right. If Michigan – it's kind of like Michigan football. They had two bad hires with Hoke and um, Rich Rod. And if they made a bad hire in 2014-15 offseason, like, that program could have started to die. But it's right. a legacy, prestige program that it plucked someone from the NFL that went to the Super Bowl. You know, they could save it. Like, with that, Michigan or Michigan State basketball could have something similar happen if it goes through a rough patch, I feel like. Well, look, for Michigan State basketball, at least under Tom Izzo, you know, in my lifetime, even a bad season, like I look at the 2011 season where they struggled to get to the NCAA tournament, but they got there. Or, you know, the 2017 season where, again, they struggled to get to the tournament, but they got there and won a game and lost a game. Even those terrible, like, even those seasons, a lot of programs would look at and be proud of, you know? And that's a bad season to me. Last year's season, I mentioned it, I'll mention it again. 30 wins, 10 title. I am not happy one permission. And look, like for Michigan State football, I might if they beat Rutgers, if they beat Rutgers, <laughs> um, and go on to win their bowl game, like I'll be okay in the offseason thinking about, wow, we won a bowl game against probably an SEC team. That's so cool, you know? Like, Michigan State basketball, like, the expectations are there every year, like, regardless. They're expected to win at least a few games in March, which they haven't done recently, but, like, that's a whole other discussion. Um, no matter, like, what they have, they're expected to do that because they're every year they're going to be put up against those name-brand programs like Duke and Kentucky, and Kansas, and uh, Louisville up until recent years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas the football program gets bypassed for bowl games by teams that they beat. So, I've not to bring up, like, the whole disrespect thing, but, yeah, I definitely look at Michigan State basketball, and that's a program that people from outside East Lansing and the state of Michigan, they know that program. You know, like – LaMelo Ball. Uh, I don't want to talk about him. But, um, you know, he comes. Michigan State will never lose. <laughs> never lost. Well, it depends. Who's that? Look, like LaMelo Ball back into high school, and he's like, I want to play for the one of the top programs. And he lists off a few schools and says Michigan State. Uh, Vernon Carey Jr., whose dad played for the Dolphins, no offense, um, is the number two player in the country ranked right now. Just listed his top three. He listed Duke, North Carolina, and Michigan State. Uh, I never see Michigan State football in the running for, you know, big time recruits. Like it's it's very rare that we get like a Malik McDowell or Shalik or um, Will Golston. You know what I'm saying? But on basketball, like I feel like no matter what player comes to East Lansing, like Izzo and Michigan State are still involved with all of the top recruits. Like. They've just missed on a lot of big names like Jabari Parker. You know what I'm saying? And it does make a difference. Um, you look over in Ann Arbor with Beeline. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, he doesn't get the four or five stars. And it takes him a while, like January, February, March, before his team's really to get rolling. Well, with Ignaz 
Ignaz Brodiskus. Did I say that right? Brodiskus. Brodiskus. Look, when you get when you get a ready-made player, it really makes a difference. And I don't know how it is this year, but when you're up by 27 against any program, it could be a max school. It means you're playing well. And they did that against the defending national champions. At halftime. Let <laughs> me interject this uh, about Beeline real quick. I, sometimes I think I'm a bigger Michigan basketball fan than a lot of Michigan fans. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's, like, that's why it's not a basketball school. Exactly. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I love John Beeline, though. Like, maybe it's because I just love basketball more so than any other sport, particularly college basketball. But, yeah, um, I feel like we all could have guessed our answers. You know, you both say Michigan's a football school, and then I go with uh, Michigan State being a basketball school. I do feel like Beeline has uh, really built a really solid foundation, though. I brought up oh, yeah. some numbers. Um, you know, I know there's more than just making money, but the fact that they're, like, you know, almost neck and neck with Michigan State in that aspect is a good sign. Um, I know I, we were talking about going to the games, Joe, and I kind of expected Michigan State tickets to be more expensive than at Chrysler. And you said they were similar in price. Yeah. That kind of surprised me. I do know there's a segment of the fan base that uh, of Michigan's that's really more about hoops. Um, there's a website, uofmhoops.com that does really good coverage and there's a big segment segment of Michigan fans that like to go there. I also think um, out of town, out of this area you, for Michigan football, you get people coming from all across the state and all across the country to their games. Whereas I think a big part of Michigan basketball's fan base is townies and people from this area. Yeah. It's more localized. And then there's also just the thing where, College football, and it's been like this for decades. There was a time where it was bigger than NFL, and it's still one of the biggest sports in the country. It still might be. Yeah, and college basketball is clearly behind that, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball even. Like, you know, in some ways it's, I don't want to say second-tier sport, but it's definitely mm-hmm. not one of the top three or four biggest ones. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I look at college sports in the state of Michigan, specifically basketball and football, and I can't think of another state where both schools for so long have been very good. Um, you know, obviously Michigan football had their down years. I think Michigan State basketball and football have both had their down years. Um, but I can't think of another state where two major programs – have been very good at the same time in both football and basketball. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was an exciting topic to bring up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you go through, like, Florida, Florida State, even Miami, you know, no. Like, Florida State, Miami, I guess recently have had some good basketball success, but not consistent. They're more football. Texas, Texas A&M. No, I mean, Texas a little bit with basketball. A&M, they're not, you know, big time. Um, maybe USC, UCLA, maybe, maybe, yeah. 
Even USC football is down right now, though. Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold's been like their blip. Look, I think Duke North Carolina basketball is one is the best rivalry in all of sports. But football, I couldn't tell you anything about either of those football programs. <laughs> well, right. Duke's current coach, uh, I can't think of his name. David exactly. Cutliff. Remember. Uh, but he he celebrated for going seven and five there because they used to be the Rutgers of the ACC. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, your point's taken, Joe. Washington, Washington State, no. You know, you just go through South Carolina and Clemson, no. Florida State, Florida, you know, you, yeah, there's like, you can keep going on. But my biggest thing is like, we love college basketball so much that I kind of don't want to see the one and done rule go away. And if it does, I think college basketball is going to somewhat lose its luster because you're going to have the G league who um, are offering $125,000 salaries to, you know, top recruits to play. So what kid in the right mind wouldn't take $125,000 if they're a top recruit, you know, coming out of high school you're already in the G League. You already start developing with a with an NBA team opposed to going to college. That's my biggest fear because I love college basketball so much. And I just feel like it'll just take away from the talent that comes in year after year in, in college basketball. Maybe a kid that knows what uh, a Shashevsky and a Calipari and, you know, a B-liner and Izzo can do for them even for one year. Well, two of those coaches you name could actually probably pay the kid more than that. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, we talked about that in my sports management class. And most athletic directors and college coaches aren't concerned with that figure. Because in the G League, the buses and the hotels and all the amenities you get are so much crappier than what you get at Division One basketball programs. And I feel like some of paying a good amount of money, maybe not that much, but maybe 50000 plus you get the ride in nice planes, you get to stay at nice hotels. You get to play at March Madness, which is the TV. You're on bigger TV. You know, you're on ESPN, ESPN2, Fox Sports 1, Big Ten Network. Yeah. But apparently the threshold is if they double that. College hmm. programs are worried that if the G League can start paying two hundred thousand, then they might be in trouble. Well, yeah, but look, uh, players still want to play in March Madness. Like that's still the biggest stage in all of sports. I think March Madness. <laughs> like when the Pistons are good and then your in Michigan and Michigan State's good. What would you rather watch? NBA playoffs are awesome, but college, you know, March Madness might be the yeah. best postseason in all sports. See, like, a great team in the NBA playoffs can lose a game, and it's okay. They just need to win four out of the next six, you know? Mm-hmm. In college basketball, in March Madness, like, you need to be at the top of your level once you get there because it's one and done. You lose and you're done. Yep. And it's nice, too, if you see a team that keeps improving throughout the year. 
and are way better at the end of the year than they were at the beginning, like Michigan was last year, make that run. That was so much fun. Yeah. I kind of feel like if they do get rid of the one and done, in some ways, the best improve. Like, you know, when you see a player stay at a school for a few years, the chemistry that they have with the other players and stuff, like, I feel like the basketball play in some ways, you know, it'll be less raw, maybe a little less skilled. You won't get the big-time players. But I feel like it having the big-time stars, having the hype players, will kind of hurt it from a perspective like maybe less eyes on the TV, especially during the regular season. Right. You've seen kind of some of the Kentuckys and some of the Dukes with great one-and-done players, you know, actually lose in the first weekend or even the second weekend. And you see these programs with four-year players make the deep runs in March. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Sasha, anything you want to say about um, I guess this topic? Say that again, Joe? Um, I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, we should probably be wrapping up this topic. But, um, yeah, any closing thoughts, I suppose? <laughs> no, not really. I, I agree with you. Uh, Michigan is definitely a football school. State's definitely a basketball stu- school. Um and yeah, I love March Madness more than anything. But I do, I do think though, they they get rid of the one and done. They let these high school kids go to go to the NBA. I don't think it'll be a good thing. But then again, you're right; it might be a good thing. It just might read out the superstars, and we just might see, you know, just good developed players. But other than that, man, yeah, I have a hunch. In a regular season, I feel like people still like the schools over the players. But I think March Madness will be fine. Um, you know, I was talking about the late 80s to the late 90s, and you were talking about Tujo being sports in this area, and you were, you know, also talking about Michigan and being a golden period for that. I kind of feel like now might slowly be coming that for University of Michigan Athletics just because of Michigan beats Ohio State and Northwestern, and they go to the – college football playoffs that will be Michigan basketball, Michigan hockey, and Michigan football all going to the final four in their sports in the same year. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a accomplishment. And then, you know, you also have Carol Hutchins, who's a legendary coach, you know, coaching women's softball, and I'm sure there's some other sports they're doing well at too, but that's great. Right. I mean, look, um, their hockey program has been down for a while, but yeah, like 2015, MSU made the Final Four in basketball, and then, yeah, college football playoff in football. Hockey being good when I was growing up, like, that was a really big uh, rivalry. Yeah, uh, Michigan State hockey used to be, like, the moneymaker of the university, like, a long-ass time ago. More um, basketball? Huh? More than basketball? Oh uh, yeah, like in the eighties or so, like when Judd Heathcote was kind of like had already milked his time there. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I wanted to say that too. I kind of Michigan basketball or Michigan State basketball was kind of coming down a little bit from those Heathcote years, and you gotta give Ezo credit for building it back up. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And, you know, um, I think since uh, 1970, Michigan State basketball has had three head coaches, uh, Gus Ganakis and then Judd Heathcote and then Tom Izzo. Yeah, that's impressive. Well, anyway, um, what were your final thoughts? Um, yeah, like I said, you know, um, Michigan State basketball, even in a down year, like it was after the 2011 season when they weren't very good at all that they got invited to play in the Champions Classic with uh, Duke and Kansas and Kentucky, and they've just, they just got renewed for another three years. So I think by the end of this three-year contract, it'll have been over 10 years uh, playing in the Champions Classic. So they got that kind of brand recognition. And like I said, the longevity, um, they've been going to the NCAA tournament as long as I've been alive. So that's pretty great. Like a lot of schools like really struggle to make the NCAA tournament consistently. Even like Carolina has missed the tournament in the last few years or Kentucky. Like the fact that Michigan State has made it 21 years straight, the third longest streak in the nation behind only Duke and Kansas, like that speaks for itself. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the Lions at all? <laughs> no. I feel like Sasha's about to pass out over there. <laughs> No, I do not want to talk about the Lions because they beat the Panthers and lose to the Jets. This is what I've been watching for the past 30 years and until I believe the Fords get rid of them because even though it sounds stupid, like, oh, it's a, it's a curse. I really do think they're cursed. I really do think the, <laughs> the, the Fords are in, in, inept owners and they just need to sell it, you know, and okay, well, I'm just sick of watching them for 30 years, same shit. Well, did I hear that Mitch Trubisky isn't going to play tomorrow? He is not. Tentative. It's doubt, doubtful. Doubtful, so, but. So, are we going to – so, if, if the Lions at home beat the Bears without their starting quarterback, does that mean a bunch of Lions slap nuts are going to think that's that their team's good again? They yes. are. Look, every Lions win this season has an asterisk next to it. Like, the Patriots – we're playing with a bunch of backups on D-line and wide receiver. Uh, the Packers left 13 points on the field just off kicks alone. Uh, the Dolphins suck, and they were playing with Brock Osweiler, <laughs> quarterback. That's, that's <laughs> an asterisk. <laughs> they suck. Uh, the Panthers, like, they looked really off on Sunday, and they missed a few kicks too. Like They should have won on the last play. Yeah. That um, okay. wide open. So if we don't want to talk about the Lions, to close out, do any of you guys want to talk about that Monday night football game we just saw? That was an amazing, amazing, amazing game, dude. Um, I love I, I, I like, that game. Right, and I like where football is headed. But in the back of my mind, I hate to think that the whole reason why these quarterbacks are looking like studs is because the rules on touching quarterbacks is so friggin' strict that they have extra, I don't know, you know, time. You know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get hit, smashed, they're not gonna get landed on without a some kind of penalty. So I hate to that think is- that, but then again, it's just such good football that we watched Monday. 
Yeah, that being said, I still feel like both Goff and Mahomes got hit quite a few times. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, there's no defense. Uh, dude, the defense scored three touchdowns on Monday night. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just thought it lived up to the hype from beginning to end. I was kind of sad uh, Mahomes threw those two interceptions and the two-minute warning because, honestly, uh, he's my new favorite quarterback in the league. Yeah, he's good, man. He's uh he's young, uh he's smart. He's uh he, he can he can run that new age offense very well. You know, it, it's it's really refreshing seeing these young quarterbacks, and then they can run such a complex offense, and then turn around and see our Matt Stafford who can't, you know, run a complex offense like that. It's just it's really disheartening. <laughs> That's why I just uh, I think I checked out on the Lions this year, and you know maybe I'll check back in next year, but. Right now, I think it's just checkout time. That's fair. Uh, real quick, we'll bring Mike back just to say uh, goodbye, I guess. So, um, yeah. Hey, Mike. Uh, just wanted to say thanks for joining our podcast again, and hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun, and um, and I definitely agreed with Sasha's last point about uh, you know, the rules changes affecting uh, offensive play in the NFL. Yeah, um, not sure if Sasha's going to join us for this last segment or not, but uh, yeah. Where are you guys, guys get to? Huh? Yeah, we just stopped recording. Um, started a new session. Gotcha. Me on Joe. It was uh, fun. Yep. And uh, you and Sasha do a great job. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, anybody listening out there. And uh, yeah, go check out far ebar.com. Enjoy your turkey and uh, go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace out. Bye. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion, Clothing, and Design. 100% original. Visit far-ebar.com to add the next great addition to your wardrobe.